the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So in addition to voting with our wallet and helping the good guys win, helping the good guys stay in business, how many little businesses shut down during the pandemic? Oh, they weren't essential. Oh, they weren't essential. It just now hit me like anew how revolting that characterization from our governor was to say, your business is not essential. It's pretty essential to me. I'm trying to stay in business. I'm trying to feed my family. I'm trying to employ people. Pretty essential to me, Governor. No, you're not essential. You, you shut down. Walmart's going to stay open. Target's going to stay open. Home Depot's going to stay open. And when they stay open, they make more money. How much money did Amazon make? You know, there were businesses that did well during the pandemic. Amazon was one of them. Did you notice the other day? Mackenzie, is her name Scott? Jeff Bezos' former wife, the one he slept around on and divorced him? She gave... Two hundred and twenty plus million dollars to Planned Parenthood. To Planned Parenthood. Do you want to do the math on how many babies can be killed with a two hundred and twenty-seven million dollar influx because it's convenient for us to buy things from Amazon? So we can save a dollar here and a dollar there. She didn't give all her money. I mean, she's got every bit that much more money, which tells you how much money Amazon makes. So not every rich person is evil, though. I say that all the time. You know, there's this effort on part of the Columbus Dispatch and other media in this town and other media in the state, rather, I should say, to demonize anybody who's wealthy. Almost all the Senate candidates on the Republican side are wealthy by the standards of you and I. Mandel Gibbons, Vance, Dolan. Timken, all wealthy. Guess what? Tim Ryan's wealthy, too. How many really, like, average Americans are there in the federal government? Yeah, I can. That's how many I would name, too. Zero, right? State government, I had to make 60 grand for being a state representative. I think that's a fair salary for the time commitment. What else are you going to do with your time unless you own your own business? And that's a business. That's an endeavor. That takes sacrifice on your part. So, again, I don't demonize all rich people. I've said many times I've never worked for somebody who wasn't richer than me. But I like to see people who've actually managed wealth, created wealth, multiplied wealth. We'll talk about that with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management at 1230 today, how you can do that. So here's a guy who's super, super, super wealthy, maybe the wealthiest man in the world. And I'm applauding him today because his name is Elon Musk, and he bought a 9.2% stake in Twitter. 9.2%. You say, well, what can he do with 9.2%, Bruce? you got to have 51% to control it. Uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. He can leverage a lot when you're the biggest shareholder of Twitter. 
You say, well, wouldn't Jack Dorsey, the uh, beatnik-looking dude who started Twitter, be the largest shareholder of Twitter? No. No. As it works out, Jack Dorsey owns only two and a quarter percent of Twitter. Elon Musk now owns almost four times as much as Jack Dorsey. He who dies with the most toys wins, if you follow that logic, which, by the way, is not true, but a lot of times in the corporate world, it is true. He who has the most shares has the most leverage. And something tells me Elon Musk has 9.2% of Twitter's stock, which is just about $3 billion worth, and he's worth (laughs) way more than that because Tesla had a record year, sold 110,000 cars. Maybe Musk will end up being able to go through Twitter's offices and summarily fire every person there who is engaged in information suppression, which is to say conservative information suppression, because they don't ever con- they don't ever suppress anything that is progressive. Is the Ayatollah still on Twitter? Yes, he is. Are well, let's say I bet I bet I haven't seen this. I bet South Carolina women's basketball coach Dawn Staley is still on Twitter. Dawn Staley won her second national championship last night as the head women's basketball coach at South Carolina. And after the game, Dawn Staley said something that I would think I would think would violate Twitter's. Terms of service. I know it would have violated Twitter's terms of service if Gino Ariema, the head basketball coach at the University of Connecticut, which lost to South Carolina, if Gino Ariema had said something similar after the game, being a white male, Gino Ariema could not get away in a bazillion years of saying what Dawn Staley said after the game. But she didn't just say it. She's getting lauded for it. She's getting lauded for it in USA Today. The writer is Annalise Bailey. Annalise Bailey, from her photo, I can tell, even if Katanji Brown-Jackson can't, is a black woman. Annalise Bailey. So is Dawn Staley, the head coach at South Carolina. And here's Annalise Bailey's account. Another year, another netless. The net was cut down by the South Carolina Gamecocks on Sunday. Annalise, pro tip, don't write in a passive voice. After dominating the floor in Minneapolis against UConn to secure the national championship. In traditional fashion, the net cunning ended with Coach Dawn Staley wearing the remainder of the net as a necklace. But this year, Staley wants the netless to represent something more than a title win. She shared, here we go, this is the Twitter violation, that she wishes to find black journalists who have elevated the game and send a piece of net to them. Here's her quote. I just think that moving forward, the net is going to represent something something in our game, something that will advance our game. I've been thinking, some of our black male coaches, they don't get opportunities. They don't? Isn't Hubert Davis coaching in the national championship game tonight for North Carolina? I think he is. Is Hubert Davis black? I think he is. Was Kelvin Sampson coaching Houston in the regional finals against Duke? He was. Is Kelvin Sampson black? He is. But I digress. 
Back to Don Staley's racist trope. I'm going to take it a step further. Some of our black journalists don't get an opportunity to elevate. So we're going to try to cut this net up, give them a piece of it, and just hope that it will be something that they can utilize in advance, to advance in that area that their heart desires to in their field. She's saying that she's going to cut the net up and give it to black journalists. Okay, that's fine. But to restrict it to black journalists only because they're somehow blocked from elevating the game of women's basketball. Like, let's just say for a moment that the people on ESPN are journalists, okay? We have to, we have to make some big concessions here for me to make my point. If you're talking about women's basketball on ESPN as a journalist or in the role of a journalist, are you not entering into a role? So they're like, let's, you know how it is on ESPN, right? There's like a black person sitting there on the dais, and then there's a white person sitting there on the dais, and then there's an Asian-American person sitting there on the dais because they got to have like the whole United Nations represented. And they're all talking about women's basketball, okay? So according to Dawn Staley, the only one of the three who could be elevating the game of women's basketball, having the same conversation on the same set at the same network, going out over the same broadcast channels, the only one who has a role in elevating women's basketball is the black person. Because Dawn Staley's black, I guess. Because most of Dawn Staley's players are black. I guess I can't speak for Dawn Staley because I don't speak racist nonsense, but she does. And it's being glorified in the pages of USA Today. If Gino Ariema had won, he goes, hey, I see a white guy over there. Come over here, man. I'm going to give you a piece of the net. Why? I want you to elevate the game. I want to elevate you. You're not getting enough chances to be elevated. How ridiculous that would be, right? How ridiculous that would be. I call this out because if we don't call it out, if we don't see it, if we don't look for it, if we don't have the courage to point it out, do you think it gets better? No, it doesn't get better. So, oh, we're not teaching critical race theory in schools. Besides, you don't even know what critical race theory is. Don't you dare ban critical race theory, by the way, because if you do, that means you're not interested in an authentic retelling of American history. We don't need to teach critical race theory, do we? If this woman at South Carolina who's won not one but two national championships as a coach, and I think she might have won a couple as a player, if she's up there saying this, and USA Today is writing about this, what more could you say about that than it is express indoctrination of kids to see color where, of all places, on a sporting field... In a fair competition, there should be no acknowledgement of how many black players do you have? How many white players do you have? Who's covering you? Black, white, huh? Oh, I'm going to give this to you because you're the same color as me. That's the epitome of racism. It's the epitome of small-mindedness is what it is. It's the epitome of small-mindedness. And those are the games the Democrats play. Those are the games the Democrats play. And you got to call it out or... Why would they stop? They won't stop. That's why you got to call it out.
So I just now I'm looking at a headline from Politico. <laughs> Politico is a pretty well-known political site. It's supposed to be uh, experts in political matters, right? I would think. Pretty expert. Here's the headline. Katanji Brown-Jackson will likely be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice by the end of this week. <laughs> here's, here's how we expect it to go. That's on their official Twitter. Is a blue check mark. Katanji Brown-Jackson will likely be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice by the end of this week. Um, could they fact check themselves on that? <laughs> uh, Thurgood Marshall is the uh, first uh, black Supreme Court justice. N- not, not Katanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Thurgood Marshall uh, was the forerunner to Clarence Thomas, who is still on the Supreme Court. Thurgood Marshall was on the Supreme Court in 1961. 1961. Oh, excuse me. That was when he got on to the uh, to the circuit court. He was. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just like astounded at this. Like, so. I guess her blackness is not in dispute. Her her womanhood is in dispute because she can't confirm her womanhood. She can't confirm anyone's womanhood. She was asked by Marsha Blackburn, senator from Tennessee. Um. Can you define a woman? No, I can't. I'm not a biologist. I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume. Maybe Katanji Brown-Jackson thinks she's a woman, seeing as how she's given birth. Uh, but Politico, she's the first black, she's the first African black Supreme Court justice by the end of the week. Katanji Brown-Jackson will likely be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice by the end of the week. Okay. So we just talked about Dawn Staley, the uh, basketball coach, women's basketball coach of South Carolina, saying she's going to elevate, give a piece of the championship net, which which her players have sacrificed for. Okay, so I got another aspect of this, right? So she's going to cut that net up and give it away to black journalists, only black journalists, because they can elevate the game. White journalists can't, Hispanic, Asian, no other ethnicity of journalists can elevate the game of women's basketball. Only black journalists. Do you think there are any people around the University of South Carolina women's basketball team who played a background role in this team's ascent to the national championship? Any any nutritionists on campus? Any strength coaches? Any professors, any tutors, any any parents, any bus drivers, any cafeteria workers, any any of the guys who like run the broom over the any managers. Like like people who whose only contribution first of all shouldn't even be a contribution to South Carolina's women's basketball team winning national championship because oh by the way i know i'm going to i'm going to expose my antiquated logic here 
as a journalist, a real one, not an MSNBC one or a mainstream media one or Politico one, you're not supposed to have a rooting interest in the team you cover, and you're not supposed to help one team win over another, which if you're going to get a piece of the net, I would think it kind of shows you've had an investment in that team. What are the black players on Connecticut supposed to think? If Don Staley is acting like winning the national championship is a triumph of black over white, good over evil, I don't know. Like, like this is the privilege. You know, we talk white, white privilege, implicit bias. Is there more privilege and bias? Well, let me say it this way. Is it exclusively only present on amid certain races? Like, would Dawn Staley not be exercising a massive, a massive amount of privilege? By being able to get away with these kinds of ridiculous assumptions and selfishness, eh, you got you drove the bus to our games and sat out there and waited on us and got us safely from hotel to tournament site and from campus to airport and you know the people who flew us on planes and the people who cooked our meals, the people who wash our sweaty uniforms. You don't get a piece of the net, but the guy or the woman. Probably the woman, probably Elisa from from USA Today, sitting over there who had nothing to do, nothing, didn't watch an ounce of tape, didn't practice to make us better, didn't feed us, didn't clean up after us, didn't help us stay eligible. You get a piece of the net. Why? What's your contribution? Well, you're black. You're black, so you're all in it with us, man. You're you can feel the struggle. Such utter nonsense that is. Such utter unadulterated nonsense that is. And Politico plays into it with, oh, Katanji Brown Jackson will be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice. So does that mean Sandra Day O'Connor was the first white Supreme Court justice? Because what would make Katanji Brown Jackson, in the eyes of Politico, the first black? Supreme Court justice. She's a woman. I mean, she won't say she is, and the left certainly won't define her as one, but Joe Biden must think she is because if she wasn't, she wouldn't have got nominated. So she's the first black Supreme Court justice because she's the first black woman Supreme Court justice. It would therefore be indisputable that every white male who served on the Supreme Court before Sandra Day O'Connor, which would be every male except Thurgood Marshall, who was the actual first black Supreme Court justice, that Sandra Day O'Connor must have been the first white Supreme Court justice. This kind of stuff is crushing our culture, killing common sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.